Okay, praises be to our loving Abba that we are able to gather once again to study his words and his commandments. I know we've been kind of lingering and studying all about John chapter 10 verse 9 and all about salvation, but I think it's worth it because we all want to know what we need to do to secure our salvation and receive life everlasting. So we will go on and do part four, which is the final part of this series concerning John chapter 10 verse 9, unless of course there are other questions attached to this topic that we need to address because it may be critical in our understanding of the theme and the topic. Now, for those who are just joining us in this series, what we're doing is answering a question uh, based upon one of the our mem one me a member of the assembly who has a friend and who is questioning our beliefs. And so the question that was posed was the following. We've discussed this previously. And last week, we discussed about what we need to do to receive salvation, what the Assembly of Yahusha teaches. Is it in accordance with our King Yahusha? Of course it is. Everything we do is according to the teaching of Yahusha, which is why we call ourselves Assembly of Yahusha. So we want to identify with him, seek his truth about salvation. So we discussed this in part three of this series, which was broadcasted last week. So if you want to know about, about part three, about our belief concerning salvation, please turn uh, to that broadcast. So today we're going to focus on this particular question. Are we teaching that you should join the fellowship? In other words, does one need to be a member of the assembly of Yahusha to be saved? Now, of course, we you probably already know the answer to that question. We never teach. We do not teach that for people to be saved, you must be registered in the assembly of Yahusha. What we teach is that for one to be saved, you need to be in and are able to maintain a covenant relationship with Yahusha. Remember, it's about relationship, not membership, because what Yahusha wants are people who are committed to following him by heeding his voice and becoming a disciple. So this is what one needs to do to be saved. Is it good, however, to be part of the assembly of Yahusha? Yes. Why do we believe that? Because we believe there's a purpose for why we exist. Why, what then is the purpose of the assembly of Yahushua? Let's read the book of Hebrews chapter 10, 24 to 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching so what is one of the purposes of the assembly of yahusha why do we believe it's good for a person to become part of this fellowship that's because when one has a relationship a covenant relationship with our king yahusha they need to exercise that relationship and one of the things our king yahusha wants us to do is to assemble ourselves together. This is why in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, I think, Yahushua says, when two or more of you are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. You see, throughout scripture, what pattern do we find? The people of Yahuwah, they gathered together. They're assembled together. This is why they're called the assemblies of Israel, the assembly of Yahushua. We ought to be together because after all, 
So what are we likened to? We're likened to sheep. Sheep are together. There's no such thing as an isolated sheep. Sheep are found together and we call that a flock or a fold. And so when we bring ourselves together, it is the will of our King Yahusha. We should not be isolated Christians or isolated followers of Yahusha. We need to be engaged in relationship with one another. And so what does the Apostle Paul tell us? We must not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And so one of the purposes of the assembly of Yahusha is for us to be able to come together in worship, in this case virtually, nonetheless we still gather together for worship so that we can exhort or encourage and teach one another what is the value of belonging to a fellowship bible says we can stir up love and good works you see yahushua wants us when we become his disciples to do good works this is one of the things that we have been called to do. Now, what are these good works that Yahushua wants his disciples to be committed in doing? Corinthians chapter 12, 47. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit gives them. There are different ways of serving, but the same Lord is served. There are different abilities to perform service, but the same God gives ability to offer their particular service. The Spirit's presence is shown in some way in each person for the good of all. And so what are the good works that we can do, especially when we assemble together under the name of our King Yahushua? The, these represent different spiritual gifts, which correspond to different abilities to perform service. Have you wondered why we who are disciples of Yahushua, after we have entered a covenant relationship with him that he doesn't take us to heaven right away that we have to still remain here on earth why is that because we have work to do what is that work we need to serve we serve yahuwah we serve yahusha we also serve our fellow human beings we serve also those who belong to the assembly to strengthen each other and to also propagate the gospel message through different abilities. It's just the purpose of the assembly of Yahushua. What are the examples of these different gifts and different acts of service? Romans chapter 12, 6 to 8. So we are to use different gifts in accordance with the grace that God has given us. If our gift is to speak God's message, we should do it according to the faith that we have. If it is to serve, we should serve. If it is to teach, we should teach. If it is to encourage others, we should do so. Whoever shares with others should do it generously. Whoever has authority should work hard. Whoever shows kindness to others should do it cheerfully. And so what are examples of spiritual gifts that are used to, sit, to serve others? Bible says speaking the message of God, teaching the words of our King Yahushua, sharing what we have this is the work of giving showing kindness showing encouragement and counsel to one another because it's tough to live in this world and we need each other to encourage each other so that we can grow together as a people of god so what is the goal of the assembly 
Why are we brought together? Let's read the book of Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. There's that word again. We are called to the assembly so that we can serve, serve Yahuwah, serve Yahusha, serve our fellow men, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so what is the purpose? What is our goal? Our goal is to grow, to become mature, and attain the full measure of the fullness of Christ. And so we have a lot of growing up that we still need to do. Because when we were baptized into union and we join our King Yahushua, it doesn't mean we have become mature in faith. The truth is, after baptism, we are still infants. Or like born again. When you're born again, you are in an infant, right? This is why in verse 13, look at, look at the purpose of the assembly. Purpose of the assembly is for us to work together to nurture growth. What kind of growth? The Bible says, until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. In other words, we need to know more and more about our King. Why is that so important? Because we need to learn to discern His voice. Because there might be other voices out there who pretend to be the voice of Mashiach, but what they're teaching is actually against what Yahusha is teaching us. This is why last episode we talked about the voice of Yahusha. And we need to grow and deepen our understanding of what the voice of our King Yahusha represents. So we need to know and grow into the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature to become more and more like our King Yahusha. This is the reason why there are evangelists, pastors, and teachers, because the key to growth, the key to maturity, is receiving the word, the teaching of scripture, and then using the scripture by applying it in our daily life. This is how we grow. And when we begin to grow, what kind of characteristic do we develop? Let's read 14 to 16, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so when we fulfill our duties in the assembly, when we do our spiritual work, when we seek to know more and more about our King Yahusha, Bible says we become mature, no longer infants. What does that mean? We're able to discern deceitful scheming. And why is it important to understand and discern deceitful scheming? That's because if not, we might end up lost. Because if we will not be able to discern the voice of Yahusha from the voice of an imposter, we end up following a different shepherd. 
and so we're unable to grow. And so the purpose of the Assembly of Yahusha is to teach us so that we can grow to know more and more about Yahusha, so that we can grow and become more and more like him. Because we are likened to sheep. What does Yahuwah through Yahusha appoint uh, those who continue to be disciples of Yahusha? Let's read the book of 1 Peter 5, 1 to 4. And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. What does Yahuwah through Yahusha appoint to lead us in the assembly? Bible says there are always elders who are appointed. Now, what is an elder? In the Greek, it's called presbyteros, a presbyter, an assigned leader who will lead the, the, the flock that has been entrusted to you. In other words, the flock that is mentioned here, caring for the flock, is not the totality of the flock, but the flock that has been entrusted to you. In other words, that is kind of like a fold and so there are people who are in our fellowship and there are elders assigned or appointed by Yahuwah to take care of them. And how must they be cared for? By teaching them the word of Yahuwah, by teaching them how to live their life in accordance with the teachings of Yahuwah and Yahusha. However, what is the strict instruction of the Apostle Peter, who is also a fellow elder. He says they must not be lords over the people assigned to their care. And so the, the, the elders must not be another shepherd, but an under shepherd. You see, there's a difference because when an elder <clears throat> begins to act as though he is the shepherd, then he's taking away the sheep from the true shepherd. And so what is the purpose of the under shepherd, which is the essence of taking care of the sheep entrusted to them? They must teach them about the great shepherd. They must promote the great shepherd. Just like what the John the Baptist says, I must become less and less and he become more and more. So those who are tasked with taking care of the sheep, the Bible says they must promote Yahusha. They preach Yahusha. They don't preach themselves. This is why whenever there's an institution or any kind of fellowship where the elder is promoting himself, then he's becoming a shepherd instead of the true great shepherd. And so it is important that when we belong to a fellowship or a group, that the one leading that group is not promoting himself, but promoting who? Our king, Yahushua. Why? What is... What is another purpose of the assembly of Yahusha? Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all these things 
that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. If you notice, Matthew 28, 19, 20 is basically a summary of what one needs to do to be saved. You need to first enter into a covenant relationship with who? Our King Yahushua. How do we do that? By being baptized. Because when you're baptized, you're baptized into union with Yahushua. So there's a covenant relationship. However, that's not enough. They need to also continue to observe the teachings of Yahushua. This is the second part, nurturing the covenant. And so the, the assembly of Yahushua, we want to fulfill that twofold purpose of what one needs to do to be saved, to enter into covenant with Yahusha and to maintain or nurture that covenant with Yahusha. So the assembly of Yahusha provides the opportunity for all of us believers to do good works together, to make disciples of all people by teaching people how to enter into covenant and at the same time to nurture and maintain that covenant relationship with our King Yahusha. That's the purpose of the assembly. We're not saying if you're not at, if you're not registered in the assembly of Yahusha, you're not going to be saved. However, when we become parts of a congregation, an assembly who do the work of Yahusha, then we grow because of it. And this is what we want to transpire. And so let's go now to the last part of that question. If one must join your fellowship to be saved, you already said you don't need to join our fellowship to be saved. However, it is good for us to grow, to become more like Yahushua. Where can we find, where in the Bible can we find the passages that say that the Lord Yahushua is teaching that people must join or become a member of your group to be saved? Like what we said, we don't teach or we need to be, to enter this group to be saved. We enter Yahushua to be saved. What's the purpose of this group? To nurture that relationship once you enter into Yahusha. Now, is there biblical passages? Is there teachings, verses in the Bible that, that tell people to be a part of the work that the assembly of Yahusha is engaged in? Absolutely. There's a lot. In fact, the Bible teaches us what we must avoid and remove ourselves from, and also what we must be a part of and engaged in. And so we need to understand these two aspects. Let's look first at what the Bible teaches concerning what we must avoid and remove ourselves from. In the book of John, chapter 10, 1 down to 5, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice voice and so what does the bible teach us concerning what we need to flee from or avoid yahusha in his illustration is clearly telling us that we need to stay away from a thief and a robber or a stranger who tries to take away the sheep from who yahusha and so in this illustration yahusha's 
giving a distinction. He's showing the difference between himself, who is the good shepherd, which is what we talked about in episode number, in, uh, in part two, right? He's the good shepherd. This is why he says, I am the door to the sheep. So he's telling people to follow him, but there will be those who will act like a shepherd. There will be those who will introduce themselves as belonging to Christ. And so the religious leaders, religious authorities, Yahushua uses illustration to show the difference between himself and the Pharisees, right? Pharisees are like shepherds, but they're a thief and a robber and they're strangers. And so Yahushua is telling us that we need to distinguish between a shepherd who is a thief and a robber and a stranger and the good shepherd so that we follow his voice, not the voice of a false shepherd. And how can we identify a false shepherd? They take from Yahushua. They don't preach Yahushua. That's why Yahushua calls him a thief, because they take the shepherd away. They lead the, the shepherd, they, they take the sheep away, I should say. They get the sheep to follow them instead of who? Yahushua. And so they steal the sheep from Yahushua. And so Yahushua is telling us we need to know the difference between him and other shepherds. And so how can we identify a thief and a robber? John 10, 10 to 13, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich, satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. And he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. So how does our king Yahushua describe a religious leader, a preacher, an elder, who is likened in his illustration to the thief and the robber? The Bible says they steal, they kill, and they destroy because all they care about is the money. And so Yahushua is basically warning us about religious institutions who have leaders and rulers and the real purpose is really just to make money. And it's unfortunate there are many like that in the world today, right? There's so many. I mean, many people use religion to make money. And so this should be a red flag. Yahushua is telling us that if you see something like that, you need to run away. That's the voice of a stranger especially when they promote themselves, follow them, right? Instead of following the true shepherd. So Yahushua says, they come to steal and kill and destroy. And then Yahushua says, I am the good shepherd. I come to give you a rich and satisfying life. Yahushua did not come to oppress us. He gave us freedom so that we can enjoy living a life, obeying the 10 commandments of Yahuwah. And so Yahushua says, he is the good shepherd. In John 10, 16, I have other sheep, uh, two that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is why we need to know the voice of Yahushua. So the more we know the voice of Yahushua, the less likely we are to be deceived by the voice of other shepherds. So how can we further identify um, the voice of the stranger, the thief and the robber? Remember, our King Yahushua use that illustration to identify the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, right? So how does Yahushua describe them so that we can prepare ourselves when we begin to hear messages like this, 
Oh, this is what Yahusha said. I better not listen to this person, right? We need to get away from this person, from this fellowship. What is that? Matthew 23, 5 to 7. There's many things that Yahusha tells us. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. And they wear robes with extra long tassels. They love to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. And so how can we recognize a false shepherd, a false leader? What the, uh, Yahusha says, what they do is for show. And how is this expressed? They require that they be greeted in the marketplaces. Perhaps today they require they be greeted through TV shows maybe, or maybe through Facebook, they're to be greeted. This is part of their agenda because when you greet this particular leader or something like that, then they, you be, they begin to promote him instead of promoting the true shepherd. And so our King Yahushua warns us about groups and fellowship where they really promote and endorse and highlight a particular person or groups of leaders instead of our King Yahushua. What else? Here in Matthew 23, 8 to 10, you must not be called teacher because you are all equal and have only one teacher. And you must not call anyone here on earth father because you have only the one father in heaven, nor should you be called leader because your one and only leader is the Messiah. And so what is our King Yahushua telling us here? He's telling us three things. Do not be called teacher. Do not be called father. Do not be called leader. Now, when Yahushua says do not be called teacher, does it mean there are no teachers in the assembly? No, it simply means when we say there are teachers in the assembly, they are not to say what I teach is authoritative. You know, in other words, if it's not in alignment with what I teach, then it's no longer the truth. No, you cannot say that because the only one who has authoritative teaching is the teacher. Who is that? Our king, Yahusha. Why does Yahusha say, do not call anyone on earth father? We must not call anyone on earth father in the same sense that Yahuwah God is father, right? The father of souls, father of spirits. Yahusha says, do not call anyone leader. Does it mean there are no leaders in the assembly? There are. There are elders in the assembly. But they should not be called leader in the sense that their leader is absolute authority over the entire fold or flock. Because the only one who has that kind of authority is who? Our king, Yahusha. And so Yahusha tells us if there are anyone, any institutions or religious groups where they say, listen only to what we teach, anyone who teaches different from us is anathema, <laughs> then that's a red flag. You know, if they're promoting one executive leader overall, that's also a red flag. What else does Yahushua say? Matthew 23, 13 and 15. How terrible for you, teachers of the law, and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You lock the door to the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, but you yourselves don't go in, nor do you allow in those who are trying to enter. How terrible for you, teachers of the law, and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You sail the seas and cross whole countries to win one convert. 
And when you succeed, you take him twice as deserving of going to hell as you yourselves are. Here's our King Yahushua, and he's talking about the irony of a false leader or a false religion. Yahushua saying they have authority, and because of their authority, you know, they have a right, large following, and apparently they become wealthy and capable because they're able to cross whole countries to win one convert. That tells you they have a lot of resources, right? And so Yahushua is saying, look at these people. They're sailing the seas and crossing the whole countries. They're using a lot of their, their uh, resources to win a convert, but the convert they win, they're not bringing to the one who can save them. Who is the one who can save them? Yahushua. So once they bring in a convert, they basically lock them up. Just listen to us, right? They don't want you to read the Bible, maybe. They'll say, don't read the Bible, or they discourage you from reading the Bible. And so what do they do? They lock the door, the kingdom of heaven, people's faces. See, for us to be able to find, for us to, to enter the kingdom of heaven, we need to know the voice of Yahushua. We need to follow him. And we can only do that if we study the Bible. But if a religious group is telling them, no, they're controlling what they are, they are to read in Scripture, if they're controlling what they are to study in Scripture, and they don't let the people read Scripture, they're locking the door to the kingdom of heaven people's faces. And unfortunately, there are organizations that are like that. They discourage you from reading the Bible. They don't want you to know, the, to know the secret or the key that unlocks the way to the kingdom of heaven. Who is that key? Our king, Yahushua. Again, when they take away from Yahushua and promote themselves, Bible says, run away from them. What else? Matthew 23, 25, 28. How terrible for you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of your cup and plate while the inside is full of what you have gotten by violence and selfishness. Blind Pharisee, clean what is inside the cup first, and then the outside will be clean too. How terrible for you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look fine on the outside, but are full of bones and became corpses on the inside. In the same way, on the outside, you appear good to everybody, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and sins. What also is our King Yahushua warning us about? He's warning us about what during the days of the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders are doing. They put on this facade that they're good and holy, so the people cheer them on. Look how they have been blessed by God, but inside, the Bible says they're full of hypocrisy and sins. Why? Because they're full of what they have gotten by violence and selfishness. This is why our King Yahushua warns about religious institutions who resort to violence and selfishness and become greedy and become wealthy because of that. And so they parade their material success. And so we need to be weary of religious groups like that. There are many throughout the world today. Yahushua says, watch out, watch out for them. What else? Matthew, uh, Mark 12, 38 to 40, as he uh, taught, Yahushua said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the place of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. What also is the warning of our King Yahushua concerning false shepherds and false elders? Yahushua says 
they make themselves out to be great. And at the same time, they oppress those who are helpless. Like who? Like widows. And so they take advantage of widows. They devour widows' houses. And for a show, they make lengthy prayers. And this is also a warning of our king, Yahushua. What else? John 9, 18 to 23, the Jewish authorities, however, were not willing to believe that he had been blind and could now see until they called his parents and asked them, is this your son? You say that he was born blind. How is it then that he can now see? His parents answered, we know that he is our son and we know that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he is now able to see, nor do we know who cured him of his blindness. Ask him, he is old enough and he can answer for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities who had already agreed that anyone who said he believed that Yahushua was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. This is why his parents said he is old enough. Ask him. And so how else can we identify? Uh, those who are thieves and robbers instead of the true shepherd. Bible says, in fact, this is the reason why our King Yahushua gave the whole illustration about the sheep and the shepherds because of this incident. Because those who have religious authority and power, what do they do with that power and authority? They want to force their members to believe their agenda. They want to force the members to believe what they believe. Just like this blind man who was born blind, by the way, who was healed by Yahushua. They did not want him to put faith in Yahushua. They want this blind man to persecute Yahushua. They want this blind man to put their faith in them, right? And so what do they do to try and force people what they want them to believe? They interrogate them. They interrogated the blind man. That wasn't enough. They interrogated the parents. That wasn't enough. They interrogated, they interrogated the blind man again, and they expelled them. And so they used their authority and threaten expulsion if they don't agree with them, with what they're teaching. That's another red flag. In fact, in John 16, 1, 4, I've told you this, Yahushua said, so that you will not give up your faith. You'll be expelled from the synagogues. And the time will come when those who kill you will think that by doing this, they are serving God. People will do these things to you because they have not known either the Father or me. But I have told you this, that when the time comes for them to do these things, you will remember what I told you. I did not tell you these things at the beginning, for I was with you. And so Yahushua knows the pattern of the Pharisees. He knows the spirit that reigns in them, which is why they do what they do. And unfortunately, even today, there are those who follow the pattern of the Pharisees in terms of promoting themselves and at the same time oppressing those who are under their care. And so they are not true shepherds. Yahushua calls them a thief and a robber and their purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. If the shepherd is like that, get away from that fold. Stay away from that fold and learn again to follow the good shepherd by following his voice. Yahushua gave us that warning. But the warning and what happened during the days of Yahushua here on earth, you know what the Bible says about that? Ecclesiastes 1.9, what has happened before will happen again. What has been done before will be done again. There's nothing new in the whole world. In other translations of the Bible, history merely repeats 
itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. So that pattern of what happened during these of the Pharisees, it's nothing new. It's been around even in the Old Testament with the people of Israel. And so there is pattern that repeats itself. This is why in Hosea 12.10, when prophets write in their books about visions and events that take place in the future, what they're really doing is setting a pattern that we can use to identify so that we know how to act and how to behave according to the pattern of Scripture, the pattern of the prophets. I have also spoken by the prophets, and I have multiplied visions and used similitudes by the ministry of the prophets. The word similitude is pattern. And so the way the Hebrew people understood prophecy is not prediction, but pattern. To the Hebrew mind, prophecy is pattern. And so when you identify a pattern, it repeats itself. And so if it repeats itself in a bad way, we need to change the pattern. So we find a different outcome, right? That's the purpose of prophecy, to give us the pattern for what God wants and the pattern for what God does not want. And so our King Yahushua, when he spoke in John chapter 10, he's warning us about false shepherds or false leaders. And they are the ones who take people away from Yahusha, because he is the good shepherd. We must follow him. And so these patterns have been around ever since the beginning. As a matter of fact, if you still remember this pattern, this closely matches what our King Yahusha talked about, right? These rulers, these leaders who have authority and power. Look what the, the Isaiah says about that. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard as a hut in the garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city, unless Yahuwah of hosts had left to us a very small remnant. We would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. Hear the word of Yahuwah. You rulers of Sodom, give ear to the love of God, you people of Gomorrah. And so here we have the pattern of the daughter of Zion, which represents the people of God. And what usually happens to the people of God? They turn away from him. Why do they turn away from him? They begin to follow the rulers. And the people allow the rulers to rule over them. And instead of following the good shepherd, they follow the teachings of men. And so what happens to them? They end up becoming like Sodom and Gomorrah. And so what does Yahuwah do? He sets aside a small remnant. This pattern is repeated again and again and again throughout scripture and in this particular passage we believe it's also prophetic when yahuwah makes a judgment against his people he gives a warning what warning was given to them what isaiah 1 16 and 17 wash yourselves make yourselves clean put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes cease to do evil learn to do good seek justice rebuke the oppressor defend the fatherless plead for the widow and so this also matches what Yahushua said, right? I mean, when he was criticizing the Pharisees, it was because of what they were doing. They were oppressing. They were taking advantage of those who were weak, like the widows and the fatherless. And so what Yahuwah wants is not to be an oppressor. <laughs> Instead, you need to help those who are weak. That's what he wants. Help the poor, help the weak. Defend the father's feet for the widow. This is what he wanted. 
But what do they continue to do? Isaiah 1, 21, 23, see how the faithful city has become a harlot. She once was full of justice. Righteousness used to dwell in her. But now murderers, your silver has become dross. Your choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, companions of thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case has not come before them. When we look at this pattern, unfortunately, we see this pattern repeated even during our time. So-called religious leaders, when they say they promote Yahushua, they promote Christ, they say, but what they're actually doing is promoting themselves. All they care about is getting rich. This is why they partner with political leaders to become companions of thieves. They chase after gifts to gain to, to, because of their selfish reasons. They do not defend the cause of the fathers. The widow's case does not come before them. And this is happening today in many religious organizations. And so when the Bible says they become a harlot, what is that likened to? Revelation 18, 12 to uh, 2 to 4, with a mighty voice he shouted, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. And I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. Here, the Apostle John writes about Babylon. And what is Babylon in reference to a false religious system, an institution that does not follow the teachings of our king, Yahusha? How can we identify religions that are likened to Babylon? When we think of Babylon, we go back to Genesis chapter 10, when we have Nimrod, who became the first dictator. And so it, there are religious organizations today who are run by one person one overall ruler that's likened to the pattern of Nimrod and Babylon. How does the Bible identify them further? They commit adultery with kings of the earth. In other words, they make alliances. They have relationships with political leaders. What else? They engage in business. That's why they, built, they, they also commit adultery with, with merchants of the earth. And so they grow rich because of that. And so our King Yahusha, even in the book of Revelation, warns us about false shepherds. Remember what Yahushua said? They're a thief and a robber, and they steal from him. How do they steal from him? Because they prevent you from going to Yahushua, because they promote themselves instead of promoting our king Yahushua. And Yahushua says, keep away from them. Don't listen to their voice. Run. Look at verse 5. They don't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. This is why we need to know the voice of our King Yahusha. Because when we know the, king, the voice of our King Yahusha, then we will come out of that place. We will come out of that place. That's what Revelation says, right? Come out of her, my people, because you might share in her plagues. And so if you belong to any kind of institution or organization where you have the pattern of Babylon, the pattern found in Isaiah, and what Yahushua said in Matthew, <laughs> brothers and sisters, you need to leave that place because that's the voice of the stranger. 
And instead, you need to follow the voice of your shepherd, who is our king, Yahushua. So the Bible tells us what we must avoid and remove ourselves from. It also tells us what we must be a part of or engaged in. To basically answer the question, you know, what does the Bible say? Does the Bible say? Are there biblical passages that say that the Lord Jesus, Yahushua, is teaching the people to join or become a member of your group to be saved? What we're teaching is this. The Bible tells us what we should avoid. We just showed it to you. And what we should be engaged in. What is that? Well, let's go back to Ephesians. One of the reasons why we're brought together into, one, into a flock or as a group is so that we can have unity of faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, there are things that we're still lacking, right? And so we need to grow so that what is lacking, we can fill up. And when the Bible says the full measure, and when the Bible says we need to reach unity and faith in the knowledge of the Son of God, what is that basically telling us? In Acts 3, 20, 21, then times will come and the Lord will refresh you. It will send you Yahushua, whom he has appointed to be the Christ. Heaven must receive Yahushua until the time when everything will be restored, as God promised to his prophets long ago. And so the work that the Bible tells us to be engaged in, in addition to what we've discussed earlier, this is why we can identify today if the assembly of Yahushua is of God, that what we're doing is from Yahushua. We need to look at what works matter to Yahuwah and Yahushua. What are they? The work that lead to restoration. And so we need to follow the clues the Bible gives us. The Bible is telling us there's going to be a final kingdom, right? And so we need to know what the trend is, what the pattern is, what does Yahuwah want as a final outcome? That's restoration to its completion. Are we headed there or are we going against it? I mean, if you know where Yahuwah wants to go, why would you go against it? You go for it, right? You, you, fall, you, you allow yourself to be in alignment with what Yahuwah wants. And so that's the work of restoration. So why is there a need for more restoration? Because we know, for example, we belong, you used to belong to the Iglesia Cristo, And the Iglesia Cristo they did a lot in the work of restoration. There are many things that the, the ministry of the Iglesia Nequisto has done to restore certain things. However, there's still more that needs to be restored, right? What are they? Number one, the sacred name was replaced. Why is there a need for more restoration? Because the sacred name was replaced, and that was not restored in the INC. Number two, the name given for salvation was corrupted. And we talked about that in our last episode. <laughs> Iglesia Nequisto uses Christ, and so that's the name of Yahushua. When in fact, the name of Yahushua is not Christ. That's his title. The name of Yahushua is what? Yahushua. What is that? Why is that important? Because it has the name Yah, which is the name of who? God, right? Yahuwah. And the Sabbath was replaced. And the INC, well, not only did they remove Sabbath, they, re they replaced the Ten Commandments, right? And so those are the things that call for restoration. Let's talk about the first one. The sacred names was replaced. What happened in history? According to this work, the use of the name, the re these replacements were done early since after the second century of our era, no more traces of the writing and pronunciation of the name are found except among a few Christian scholars. So when they were, when they were copying the translations of the Bible, the original manuscripts, 
in the process of copying the name of Yahuwah and Yahusha became lost. They did not want to translate Yahuwah, so they gave it a different, they gave it a replacement, either L-O-R-D or Hashem. So they replaced the name of Yahuwah and Yahusha. Okay, well, and this replacement took place and it was completely done about the second century. Again, after 150 CE, God's name disappeared of most usual copies in Greek of the Septuagint or New Testament. For example, Tertullian, a Latin Christian, quoted the text of Matthew 22, 44 to prove that both Yahusha and God were the same Lord, but he mistook Lord, but he mistook Lord used as name and the Lord used as title. And so this created confusion when they replaced the name of Yahuwah with Lord and Yahusha is called Lord, uh, some people began to confuse the two together. And so they begin to identify Yahusha as God, as Yahuwah. And so there's a lot of confusion that happened because they, re they removed the name, they replaced the name of Yahuwah. But does Yahuwah want that restored? In the book of Exodus 3.15, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahuwah, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Question, does Yahuwah God want us to know him by his name, Yahuwah, or by another name? By that name. You know why? Because that name is written about 7,000 times in the Old Testament. Many more times in the New Testament, but it was removed by the copyists. This is why we believe Yahuwah wants his name restored because it is his eternal name. And he says it is to be remembered for all generations. How can we remember his name if we don't even know it? There's so many Christians today who keep praying, let's worship the name of God. We do this in the name of the Lord. Then you ask them, well, what's his name? They have no clue. His name is Lord. No, it's not. What's his name? It's name is Yahuwah. It is represented by the Tetragrammaton. And so there's still, there definitely is a need for that to be restored. And it's Yahuwah's will. How about the name given for salvation was corrupted? Because when we look at Matthew 1, 20, 21, right? In verse 21, she'll bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So many people throughout the world today, they believe the name of the Messiah and the name for salvation is Jesus. But you know, when Yahusha was here on earth, there was no Jesus. The letter J was not invented until when? When was that invented? I forget, 15th century, 16th century, right? That's when he became Jesus. And so if you were asked, if you were, if you were going to ask Yahusha, Jesus, he doesn't know that name. When the apostles and the disciples were baptizing in the name of Yahusha, they were not using Jesus. When they cast out evil spirits, they were not using the name Jesus. When they were healing people, they were not using the name Jesus. What were they using? His real name, which is not Jesus. What's his real name? It's a Hebrew name. Well, how can we know this Hebrew name? Well, it turns out if you, if you do a little digging in the, in the New Testament, because the New Testament, more, I mean, the New Testament we find today, most of it is in Greek, but most likely it's original. The original was in Hebrew. It was just translated and copied in Greek. But when you look at the Greek word, Jesus and Joshua, 
They come from the same Hebrew or the same Greek word. And it goes back to a Hebrew word for Joshua. So Joshua and Jesus have the same Hebrew name. But for some reason, when it's translated in English, one becomes Jesus and one becomes Joshua. Something fishy is going on, right? And so what is the significance of the Hebrew name of Yahushua? It's significant because it was foretold. It is prophetic even long ago. Numbers 13, 16, these are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. But Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. But in Hebrew, the actual name is, does that look familiar to you? It's actually Yahushua. But we translate it in English as Joshua. And Joshua is a type of Christ. Why? Because Joshua was the one who led the people of God, Israel, to the promised land. And so he was the deliverer. And so Yahushua is being, for, is being uh, foreshadowed here. You see the foreshadowing? Remember, all of Scripture point to who? Yahushua. And when we look at the hints, we look at the name. Why? Why did Moses change the name of the son of Nun from Hosea to Yahushua? There's a reason. There's a reason for that, right? Because when we look at the name of Joshua, there it is. Joshua in Hebrew is Yahushua. It has five letters. The Yod, Vev, the Yod, He, Vav, the Shin, and the Ayin, right? And so that's from Yehoshua to Yahusha. And so it was changed to Yahusha by adding a Yod, so that you would have a Yod, He, Vav, which means what? Yah. And so Yah was added to the name of Hosea because the name of God, you notice Yahuwah added his name to many of the names of the prophets, like Yirmi Yahu. Uh, what's Isaiah's name? Yesha Yahu, right? Eli Yahu. And so Yahuwah places his name Yah in the names of his disciples and so Hosea because he's going to perform a function to deliver the people of Israel to the promised land he's been given and his name was changed to Yahushua not only that in Zechariah 6 11 to 13 there's a, a prophecy about a Joshua and again the Hebrew it is Yahushua the son of Jehoshadak the high priest then say to him thus says Jehovah of hosts behold a man whose name is branch so his, he, his title is branch, for he will branch out from where he is, and he will build the temple of Yahuwah. Yes, it is he who will build the temple of Yahuwah, and he who will hear the honor, who will bear the honor, and sit and rule on his throne. Thus he will be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace will be between the two offices. So the Bible is telling us there's going to be a future person who will build the temple, and will sit on the throne, so he's a king, and at the same time he is a high priest, high priest and king. Who is that? The, Melchizedek, the, the high priest and king of the Melchizedek order, that is Yahusha. This is why the name Yahusha was given. And so the Bible is telling us in advance, even before Yahusha is born, the name that is to be given him. That name is Yahusha. 
But something happened after the Babylonian captivity. What happened after the Babylonian captivity? In Ezra 3.2, then Jeshua, the son of Josedek. Wait a minute. In the prophecy, it says Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak. You see that? And then in Ezra, in the present, right? When Ezra was speaking in the present during that time, after the captivity, Yahusha or Joshua becomes Jeshua. There was a change after the captivity, right? Jeshua and Joshua are two different names. When you look at Joshua, you have Y-A-H, yod a vav right? You see that? You have the, the, the name Yah in Joshua. In Jeshua, it's missing. It's become a Yod and then a Shin. <laughs> do you notice that? And so what do they do? They remove the name of Yah. So the full form, Yahushua, is a sentence name in which the subject comes first and represents a form of the divine name, Yahuwah. And in which the verb is subsidiary form of the verb Yasha, which is also found in other names. And so Yahusha is a compound name composed of two Hebrew names or Hebrew words, Yahuwah and Yasha, Yahuwah and Yasha. You get Yahusha, which means Yahuwah saves or I am your salvation. And so according to researchers, the Greek form of a list of Old Testament characters who in pre-exilic Hebrew are called Yahusha, and usually after the exile, they become Yeshua, right? So what happened, something happened in the captivity. You see, before captivity, Joshua's name is Yahusha. Five words, right? Yod, He, Vav, Shin, Ayin, okay? And the first three letters form Yah. That's why it's Yahu. After the captivity, they changed it. They removed Yah. And so it became Yeshua. And so Yah was removed in captivity. And so Yahushua became Yeshua. Why is that significant? Because when, Yesh when Yahushua became Yeshua, it served the template by which you get the transliteration Yesu. And so when you change the Hebrew name to Greek name, there doesn't always correspond uh, a one-to-one -one pronunciation from Hebrew to Greek because there are pronunciations in Hebrew that doesn't carry over in the Greek. For example, in Greek, there's no sh sound. And so Yeshua became a su, and then they have to add an S to make it masculine. And so it became a right? And then it became eventually Yesus. And this is what we find in the Old English Bibles. If you notice at the upper right, Yesus, right? And now it's no longer Yesus, it became Jesus. But you see the transition? It went from Yahusha, captivity, Yeshua. The Greeks came, Yesus, and then Yesus, and then Jesus. So the name Jesus is not, if you notice, there's no indication of Yahuwah in the name Jesus, right? You don't find Yahuwah in Jesus. There's a great, this, there is great cause for alarm when this hybrid Greek name 
is being applied unto Messiah because not only is it not the sanctified given name, prophetic and sanctified unity within the word of Yahuwah is lost. Early Christo-pagan syncretized Greek culture into Greek Christianity, which smoothed the way for Christo-paganism to become the state religion. Remember, when they removed Yah, so that Yahusha became Yeshua, this was a sign of the captivity. Unfortunately, that carried on even during our time today, and it became even worse. It became Jesus. You see, Jesus is a gross transliteration of Yeshua. We can guarantee you the name of the Savior, the name for salvation is not Jesus. It's not because J was not invented until the 16th century. It's not Jesus. Jesus is a gross transliteration of Yeshua, which was given in slavery to blaspheme the true name of Yahusha. He sent them, Yahuwah, into Babylonian captivity, where his name was corrupted and changed to Yeshua as an insult. Yeshua followed us from Babylon to new Babylon in the form of Jesus. This is why when it was time for Yahusha to be given a name, the one who gave the name were not the parents, but who? An angel, an angel of Yahuwah. That word there, angel of the Lord, it should be angel of Yahuwah. But in the translation in the New Testament, the copyists, they removed Yahuwah altogether. And they changed the name of Yahusha to Yesus. And then became Jesus. But his actual name is Yahusha. Why is he given the name Yahusha? Because for he will save his people from their sins. Because he is to be the savior this is why the name it actually has a meaning do you know what the, the name yahusha means like what we said it comes it's a compound name it comes from a combination of two words yahuwah and yasha yahuwah means i am who i am and yasha means to save be saved to be delivered and so yahusha means i am he who saves this is why he was given that name in matthew chapter one how important is the name of yahusha Bible says, by the name of Yahushua Christ of Nazareth, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And so it's important. If it's that important, why are we going to add a J? Why is it going to be Jesus when that's not his actual name? His name is Hebrew. It has the name Yahuwah in it because it, it has a meaning. Hebrew names have meaning that is important to Yahuwah. This is why the name of Yahusha is important because it's the most important name given by Yahuwah because it has his name in it. And we're going to change it to Yeshua and then to Jesus? It should be Yahusha. And so this proves Yahuwah wants it restored, right? He wants that restored. How about what else um, is a need for restoration? The Sabbath was replaced throughout the Christian histories. The days of the apostles, were they observing the Sabbath? Yes. All the apostles observed the Sabbath. The disciples observed the Sabbath. Mary, who, to, who witnessed the uh, burial of Yahushua, she observed the Sabbath. The people observed the Sabbath. Then something happened. 321 AD, Constantine, on the venerable day of the sun. Let the magistrates and people residing in cities rest and let all workshops be closed. 
In other words, in 321, Constantine required all the people to rest, not on the Sabbath, but when? Sunday. This law was enacted in AD 321. And this was then the Catholic Church doctrine de declared and demanded that the fourth commandment be broken. And then, uh, according to Catholic Church Council in Laodicea, so we had 321 and 364, another council in Laodicea, Christians shall not Judaize and be idle on Saturday, but shall work on that day. But the Lord's day, they shall especially honor and as being Christians fall, if possible, do no work on that day. If, however, they are found Judaizing, they shall be shut out from Christ. And so they had another council meeting. This time in 364, they said that Christians shall not Judaize. In other words, they should be I they should not be idle on Saturday, on a Sabbath day, but shall work on that day. If they don't work on that day, they'll be shut out from Christ. In other words, they'll be expelled. It got worse. 590. About 590, Pope Gregory, in a letter to Rome people, denounced as the prophets of Antichrist those who maintained that work ought not to be done on the seventh day. Can you imagine that? Those who observe, those who preach. The fourth commandment, they're being declared as prophets of the Antichrist. This was in 590 AD. And then in 1563, on the 18th of January, 1563, the Council of Trent ruled that tradition is greater than scripture. After a powerful speech by the Archbishop of Reggio, in which he said that the fact that the church, Catholic Church, had changed the fourth commandment clearly proved the tradition was greater than scripture. So they confess that they changed the fourth commandment. That they abolished Sabbath and made it into Sunday. And this was not just from the Catholic Church, but even Protestants, non-Catholics. But since Saturday, not Sunday, is specified in the Bible, isn't it curious that non-Catholics who profess to take the religion directly from the Bible and not the church observe Sunday instead of Saturday? Yes, of course, it is inconsistent, but this change was made about 15 centuries before Protestantism was born. And by that time, the custom was universally observed. They have continued the custom, even though it rests upon the authority of the Catholic Church and not upon the explicit text in the Bible. And so here we see the evolution of Sabbath. I shouldn't say evolution, but how it was replaced. They disregarded the Ten Commandments. They replaced the Fourth Commandment. And they got rid of Sabbath, even going as far as if you preach the Sabbath and preach the Fourth Commandment, you are Antichrist. Can you imagine that? But that's what happened. But does Yahuwah want that to be restored? Does he want to restore Sabbath? How can we know? Fast forward. Fast forward to the future. What's going to happen in the future? Isaiah 66 for as the new heavens and the new earth which i will make shall remain before me says yahuwah so shall your descendants and your name remain from new moon to new moon and from sabbath to sabbath all flesh shall come to worship before me says yahuwah if we fast forward to the future and we see what yahuwah wants what does he want he wants us to observe the sabbath we worship from sabbath to sabbath and so what does that tell us yahuwah wants that restored and so these are the things that Yahuwah wants restored. And so what work should the true sheep of Yahushua be engaged in? 
restoring the name of Yahuwah, being identified by the name of salvation, Yahusha, proclaiming the Ten Commandments and restoring Sabbath. This is what Yahuwah wants us to do. Why? Because this is his end goal. He wants us to restore this because these are important to him. This represents his voice, his call to those who want to follow Yahuwah and Yahusha. What further proves that this is the work we ought to be doing? And this is what the assembly is fulfilling and doing. Let's read the book of 2 Peter 1.19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You know, there are many religions today, am I right? There are many folds today. There's the Iglesia Christa, Roman Catholic Church, Presbyterian Church, Episcopalian. There's so many churches today, so many religious groups today. But how can we know where we should be a part of. The Bible tells us we have the prophetic word confirmed. What is that? Prophecy. What is the purpose of prophecy? Light. When we are in darkness and we see the light, we know where to go. And so prophecy tells us where we must come out of and where we must go into and be engaged in. Right? That's what the light does. And so when we look at prophecy, does it inform us about the work of restoring the name, being called by the name, and preaching the commandments, the Ten Commandments of Yahuwah, and restoring Sabbath? Is that what the prophecy tells us? Because prophecy is pattern and also tells us the future. What Yahuwah wants in the end, which is what we must be aligned in doing, and so let's look at the prophecy. For example, restoring the sacred name. Is that prophetic? Zechariah 13, verse 9. This third I will bring into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say, Yahuwah is our God. That's a prophecy. And many members of the Iglesia de Cristo believe in this prophecy. However, we need to complete we need to look at the completion of that prophecy, right? What is the completion of that prophecy? The Bible says the third, the third, they will go into the fire. They'll be tested. They will go through tribulation. And after they go through the testing, what will they do? They will call on, they will call on the name. What is that name? Yahuwah. What will they proclaim? Yahuwah is our God. This is why if we believe in prophecy, we need to look at its completion. The Bible says this prophecy will be fulfilled. There will be those who will call on the name of Yahuwah. And by doing so, what will happen to them? In Acts 2, 17 and 21, in the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on everyone. Your sons and daughters will speak what God has revealed. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour my spirit on my servants and both men and women. They will speak what God has revealed. I will work miracles in the sky and give signs on the earth, blood, fire, and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will become as red as blood before the terrifying day of Yahuwah comes. Then whoever calls on the name of Yahuwah will be saved. Again, does the prophecy tell us what will happen in the future? Yeah. 
What does the pattern of prophecy reveal? The time will come when those will be saved. They will call on the name of Yahuwah. This is why in the assembly of Yahusha, we call on the name of Yahuwah. Isn't this obvious? Right? This is why we're following the pattern of prophecy. We're following the light of prophecy in the assembly of Yahusha. How about being identified by the name of salvation? Let's go to a prophecy adhered to by the Galatian Christ. So Isaiah 4, 3, 5 to 7. Do not be afraid because I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar away and my daughters from the ends of the earth. We studied this prophecy before, right? This is the work of Yahuwah. When usually bring together, they gather people together who they want to teach and prepare for salvation. But if we keep reading the rest of the passage, it reveals to us how the prophecy will continue to be fulfilled because we cannot be stuck at one point. Remember, restoration is dynamic. It proceeds onward. It doesn't stop until it's finally completed. And so there still, need work. there still needs to be work to do. There's work that needs to be done. Restoration needs to be completed. We read up to verse 6, but look at verse 7. Bring everyone who is called by my name, whom I created from my glory, whom I formed in me. And so they will be called by his name. What is that name? Yahushua says in John 17, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so the scripture would be fulfilled. So Yahushua is very clear. The name by which those who will come from the ends of the earth will be identified with is the name Yahuwah gives to his son. Is that Jesus? No, because look what Yahushua says. Your name, the name you gave me. And that's his name. And so the name of Yahuwah is in the name of Yahushua. Just like the name of Yah is in the name of the prophets of old, the name of Yahuwah definitely must be in the name of the greatest prophet, the greatest messenger, Yahusha. This is why Yahuwah is in Yahusha. And that name, there's no other name given by which we must be saved, the Apostle Peter says. And Apostle Paul even confirms it. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that the name of Yahusha. It's not the name of Christ, is it? That's a title. The name that is above all names is Yahushua. Yahuwah's name is in Yahushua. And this is why we are called the assembly of Yahushua. Which brings us to another question because we have a lot of critics and we welcome them. And one of the critics apparently doesn't know that we are registered. And the question is, in Tagalog is up there. And in English is, is the assembly of Yahushua where you are a member of, is it registered in the government? Is it important to be registered or is it no longer important? We, be, we believe it's important to be registered. Are we registered? Is the Assembly of Yahushua registered in the government? Yeah. But what is the purpose of our registration? Is it to establish a new church? No, you don't establish a church. Yahushua established the church. What is that? A people, which, which is what we learned last week, what the church is. It's the people who follow 
Yahusha. You don't enter a particular religious group and say you enter the church of Yahusha. No, you follow the shepherd, make a covenant with him and enter his covenant. Then you become the church. You become a people following Yahusha. And so when we register the assembly of Yahusha, it's not for the purpose of saying that this is the church, right? But what are we doing? What did we do? Why did we register? By registering as a son of Yahushua, we officially identify ourselves with Yahushua because that's what the prophecy says. The prophecy wants that we will be called by his name. And so we call ourselves assembly of Yahushua. We proclaim officially, we identify with Yahushua, that we belong to Yahushua. And also we proclaim that all the works of the assembly are done in the name of Yahushua. This is why we registered in the government to tell to testify that our works we do in the name of Yahusha. is that biblical colossians and whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the lord Yahusha, giving thanks to god the father through him this is why we registered as the assembly of Yahusha, not some other name you know not another name but the name of Yahusha, because we profess his name. How about proclaiming the Ten Commandments and restoring the Sabbath? Isaiah 42, 10, 12, and 21. Sing unto Yahuwah new song and his praise from the end of the earth. Ye that go down to the sea and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof, let them give glory unto Yahuwah and declare his praise in the islands. Yahuwah is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. What is pleasing to Yahuwah that those who come from the islands will do. What pleases Yahuwah is when we magnify the law and make it honorable. What is the law referred to there? The Ten Commandments. What is included in the Ten Commandments? It is Sabbath. Does Yahuwah want it restored? Look at what the Bible says when we fast forward to the future. For this is what Yahuwah says. I will bless those eunuchs. Now these when the Bible says eunuchs, it means they're not allowed to participate fully in the works of the assembly of Israel, right? Eunuchs were not allowed to participate in the temple services. But the Bible says, I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give for the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to Yahuwah, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest, who hold fast to my covenant, for the sovereign Yahuwah who brings back the outcasts of Israel says, I will bring others too besides my people, Israel. You see what Yahuwah feels about his commandments, about his Sabbath, right? Is that something that he wants people to observe? Yes, not just Israel, but all people, including the eunuchs and the foreigners. You notice what Yahuwah says? If there are people, it doesn't matter what their background is, but if they love his name, Yahuwah, that's commandment. What commandment is that? Commandment number three. 
And if they will not desecrate the Sabbath, but keep the Sabbath days holy, Bible says Yahuwah will give them a name. They'll be identified under the banner of the everlasting name of Yahusha. This is why this tells us that the work of Yahuwah, when it comes to restoration, because this will happen in the future, and it's happening right now, what Yahuwah wants is for people to honor the Sabbath and to magnify His laws and His commandments. This is why when we go to Isaiah 66, which we read earlier, what Yahuwah wants, even right before the new heavens and the new earth, in the kingdom here on earth, Sabbath is going to be a holy day again. Right now, it's not. All over the world, they don't care about the Sabbath, right? But time will come when the Sabbath will be honored again. From Sabbath to Sabbath, the people all over the world, they will worship Yahuwah. And so when we look at the work of restoration, guess what? It identifies the work of the assembly. In the assembly of Yahushua, do we not proclaim the name of Yahuwah? Are we not called by the name of Yahushua? Are we not proclaiming and restoring the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath? We are. This is why to answer the question, are there passages that point to us? Yes. Yes. We are here so that we can help people to nurture the covenant relationship they have with our King Yahusha and our King, our Father, Creator, Yahuwah. Abba. And so for us, the work of the assembly of Yahusha, in the work that we do, if you notice, in every, in every worship service, in every Bible study, we always promote who? Yahusha. You see, if ever the assembly of Yahusha begins to promote us ourselves, if ever we begin to point to ourselves and demand that you follow everything we do without question. If ever we say anything like you have to be one with us, to be one with Yahusha, run away. Run away from this fellowship. What we seek to do, what we want to do, is to bring all of you, not to us, no, but to Him, to Yahusha, to keep your eyes on Him. Why? In the final passage of our studies, Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, and especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Yahusha, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated the place of honor besides God's throne. Brethren, we started out being called by Yahuwah through Yahusha to become disciples of our King. He initiated that work. He started that work in us. We started with faith, but we have to continue in faith and perfect our faith. But there's only one way for our faith to be perfected. Keep your eyes on Yahusha. And this is what we want you to do, brothers and sisters. Every single day of your life, always look to Yahushua. You're going through poverty, rely on Yahushua. You're going through sickness, call upon Yahushua. You want to be comforted, listen to the teachings of Yahushua. You want to be guided, to be strengthened, 
let Yahusha be your shepherd. Let him be your shepherd. Because that's what it means. When Yahusha says, I am the door, he's saying, I'm the shepherd. Go to him. Because if we go to him, we find safety. We find provision. And so the whole purpose of the assembly of Yahusha is to point you to that door. To point you to Yahusha. He is the initiator, the perfecter of our faith. Without him, if you will lay eyes off of him and place it somewhere else, you're not going to perfect your faith. Keep your eyes fixed upon the good shepherd who gave his life for you. Because if that is what we do, that's how we find salvation. We find salvation through him as our savior and good, good shepherd who continues to be with us and takes care of us. That is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray. Everlasting Father, yes, Almighty Yahuwah Abba, yes. thank you so much for giving us such clarity about the work we must do. We want to be aligned to your will. We can see through prophecy, through the light of scripture, you want your name to be announced and proclaimed. This is what we do to proclaim your name, Yahuwah, to be identified by your son and his name, Yahushua, and to restore the Sabbath, and the commandments that you have given long ago. Help us, please, in this work. Yes. Help us to be instruments in creating disciples by leading people to the door. The good shepherd, Yahushua, our king, your only beloved son. Yahushua, please remember your servants. Sometimes we grow weary and tired. We will remember what you said. You are the door. We will go to you to find food to find refreshment, to find strength, to find healing, to find all that we can ever need because you are there for that purpose, to be our shepherd who will take care of us, your sheep. May you please heal those who may be sick among us, strengthen our faith and help us to understand your voice, to grow more and more like you, to attain your full measure that you may be in us that we may glorify you and the Father. Amen. Father, thank you for listening to our prayers. Bless your people throughout the world. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen.